Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. They gotta bring a flag on for me, man. So. Irving. Irving to the basket. Irving got it. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 38 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Second podcast of the week because the Boston Celtics are up two games to none. Goose egg, zippo, nada on the Indiana Pacers in the first round of the NBA playoffs. We're going to recap the entire game for you right now, and I'm also going to preview game three. And if the Celtics can go up, what, 3-0 come Friday, game's at 8.30 on Friday night. A little bit of a late one because last night it was 7 p.m. start. But hey, you know what? It is what it is. Now, before we kind of get going about what actually happened in Game 2, I was very nervous about, what, 11 a.m. yesterday morning when they announced that Al Horford was questionable with an illness. Al Horford not playing for the Boston Celtics in, a, in the playoffs should scare the absolute living daylight out of each and every single one of you. Whether it's questionable, probable, if he's on the injury report, it should scare you because he is so important to this team now I understand he didn't have a crazy game last night but when you see that if Al Horford did not play last night the Celtics were going to have some major 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 issues but luckily that he did and the Celtics did get a win 99 to 91 and let's just start off like right away the first quarter it it was interesting Pacers came out hot and you had to expect that you know that was probably the least shocking thing that I that I saw during that game. Well, the second least shocking thing that I've seen. It the the first most shocking thing that I've seen was at the end of the fourth quarter, and I'll explain that in a bit. But for starters, Daniel Tice shouldn't be playing in the first quarter. Let's just throw that out there right now. I understand Al Horford was hurt, but Daniel Tice should not be playing in the first quarter. He shouldn't. He should be far, 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 far away. But The way the Pacers were making their baskets and the reason why they came out so hot is because the Celtics defense was very lazy. I mean, there was so many backdoor cuts. I mean, the very first play of the game was a backdoor screen, alley-oop, and you were just like, oh, God, here we go. Tatum got beat a couple times backdoor, whether it was by Bogdanovich or Thaddeus Young. And throughout this entire game... I I'm trying to I'm I try and think like Brad and I know it's impossible but I pretend to do it while I'm up there you know in section three fifteen row fifteen what's up to everyone up there but I'm I don't understand why Jason Tatum isn't guarding Wesley Matthews and Kyrie is guarding Collinson like because right now Tatum is guarding Collinson all the time and I I know Jason Tatum's not the best defender but Darren Collinson a lot during that game just got. You know, got through a screen, went to the free throw line, went to the elbow, the elbow, the elbow, and stuck a jumper. And it was infuriating because I feel like if Kyrie was there, maybe Kyrie's a little quicker. He could probably get you know through screens a little bit better because Kyrie's used to getting through screens because he's a guard, and that happens. And 
Jason Tatum doesn't have to worry about that as the three or the four on this team. But that was just very weird. But going into this game, I was a little nervous about Tyreek Evans. I was afraid he was he was going to go off. He's a scorer. He's one of those guys when he goes off, good luck catching up. And he had a big three to put the Pacers up eight with about, I don't know, about three and a half minutes to go in the first. And then luckily Tatum and Hayward hit back-to-back threes. And then the Celtics were only down one. It was either, no, they were down four at the end of one. And the thing that was frustrating was the fact that they literally gave up 33 points in the first quarter. And what did we talk about in episode 37 a couple days ago? It was the fact that the Celtics did not give up any quarters of 30 points or more. I mean, one of them was eight, and I think the highest was like 27 by the Pacers. Maybe it was 26. But, of course, the first quarter, Pacers come out swinging, they come out shooting well, and the the Celtics gave up 33 points. It was just like, dude, come on. Come on. Because second quarter, 17 points. Third quarter, 29 points. Fourth quarter, 12 points. So... If they just locked in on defense just a little bit more in that first quarter, we wouldn't have such... I don't think we would have had such a stressful game. I mean, it would have been a little stressful, but just not as stressful. And the other thing, real quick, before we move on to the second quarter, because I thought the second quarter was a good thing for the Celtics. Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, even though I have a lot of nice things to say about him later, he needs to go home and dribble a basketball. He sucks at dribbling especially in transition. That dude can't dribble for the life of him. I don't know if his like hands get too excited or what, but like he just can't dribble. And it's so infuriating. It's so infuriating. And he needs to start dribbling better, especially in transition, as soon as possible. But what I really liked about the Celtics in the second quarter is, yes, they gave up 33 points in the first, but then they only gave up 17 in the second. And I was very happy that Kyrie distributed the ball to his teammates early. I mean, Kyrie got his fifth assist of the game with about 10 minutes to go in the second quarter and I understand that the jumpers that Kyrie was taking early in this game were a little frustrating but man when they go in what joy what joy runs through my loins that fadeaway jumper that he hits whether it's in Collinson's face Matthew's face Turner's face Bonus's face whatever the case may be the fact that he can lean back that far and get the ball that high and have it go in is absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. But I was really happy with about 90 seconds to go in the second quarter because the second quarter was really more of a back and forth. It was kind of like a lot of game. It was probably like the first or second quarter of game one. It was a little ugly, but the Celtics prevailed a little bit. They outscored them 23 to 17. And with about 90 seconds to go, it was 46 to 46. And the Celtics just took the lead, 52-50. And we've been used to seeing the Celtics team this year with about 90 seconds left, two minutes left to go in the second quarter, the third quarter. They just they just shit themselves in plain English, and they didn't this time. They took the lead going up, and it was a good defensive quarter and a reasonable offensive second quarter for the team. So I was very, very happy for them. But the third quarter was classic 2018-2019 Celtics. I mean, they're up two. Going into the half, you're like, hey, they're playing like crap. They're not shooting the ball that well. They are protecting the ball a little bit, but they're going to come out firing in the third. Nope, they didn't. They allowed 29 points for the Pacers, and they only scored 16 points. Kyrie had eight of those points and assisted on one of them. So basically, if it wasn't for Kyrie, I'm pretty sure the Celtics would have lost by 1,000. It was absolutely ridiculous. How many layups 
did all these guys miss? I mean, Kyrie missed three layups in the third quarter. Tatum missed two. Hayward missed one. Morris missed one. I mean, Marcus Morris didn't hit a shot all night, which I predicted, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But there was a foul call on Jalen Brown in the third quarter where he was kind of going for a loose ball, and Bogdanovich just like fell like someone shot him. And that's what a lot of people hate about the NBA with flopping, but God, that fired me up. That really did. And I, I, I know I just stuttered a lot right there, like I was mystical and Joe, but Jalen Brown, I think he's now understanding that Brad is basically asking him to be the Marcus Smart of this new starting lineup group until Marcus Smart comes back. Be aggressive, be the defender, but Jalen Brown with four fouls halfway through the third quarter is not a good look, and he almost picked up his fifth, but they luckily changed it over to Horford, because if Jalen Brown had five fouls going into the fourth quarter, he probably wouldn't have played a lot. And that's fine. You know, Gordon Hayward can step up. Terry Rozier can step up. And by the way, Terry Rozier was a plus 19 in this game. And if you, if it was just based on the eye test, you'd be like, how the hell was Terry Rozier a plus 19? But whatever. Good for Terry. That was a team high plus 19. So, hey, scary Terry. We'll take it. Absolutely. But the Pacers went up, what was it, 60 to 58 after um, Jason Tatum made a layup. And that was the only one he made, I think, like all game. I'm obviously kidding, but just in the third quarter. And then the Pacers just went on a 10-0 run. They were up 12 with like five minutes to go in the third quarter, and then the Celtics were down 11 going into the third. And it was a little nerve-wracking. The place was silent. The mood changed dramatically. Like, the end of the second quarter, the energy in TD Garden was there. It was playoff atmosphere. It's why people come play for the Boston Celtics, that type of that type of atmosphere. But when they went on this 10-0 run, 12-0 run that the Pacers went on, it just sucked the air right out, and it really sucked. But the fourth quarter, the way the Celtics started and the takeovers by Horford and Tatum and Kyrie separately, not together, but separately, I thought was fantastic. Right away, Horford came out, bullied bald Sabonis, went in for a layup. He then jab-stepped, jab-stepped, took a jumper, Stunk that, stunk that, stuck that, and then four straight points. The lead's now cut down to seven. Energies kind of get going in the building. Next possession down, Horford takes this shot towards the end of the shot clock, and it looked like it was a good shot, but it hit the other side of the backboard. But about two or three sections down from me to the right, like in the corner, people actually thought it went in. Like a bunch of people like stood up and was like cheering, but it was like, no, 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 no. It didn't go in. <laughs> it was actually, I've never seen that happen before in all my years that I've been up in Section 315 that another section actually thought a shot went in, but it didn't. But from their view, it probably did because they're right at like the edge of the backboard. I just thought that was very, very funny. But after Horford missed that shot, Jason Tatum then scored four out of the six next points for the Celtics. Terry Rozier had a putback, which was a, a pretty crazy offensive rebound him and it was a really nice put back by him but one of those points by one of those buckets by Jalen Brown I'm sorry by Jason Tatum was a dunk a big dunk a dunk that got everyone a little crazy and right after that for a couple minutes the Celtics didn't score and all I thought about was the big dunk from game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals on LeBron James last year and the Celtics really didn't score that much afterwards and the fact that they missed their next two, three, maybe even four shots after that dunk, I was like, oh my God, we're going to relive game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And I know, just to sidetrack a little bit, I know a lot of people talked about 
how Jason Tatum now has a picture of him dunking on LeBron, like this massive picture in his house. I'd have one too. Whether you're a LeBron James stan or a LeBron James hater, you're going to have a picture of, of yourself dunking on LeBron. It's, he's one of, the, one of, if not the greatest players in the NBA of all time. If you dunked on him, blow up a picture, put it in your house. Good for you, Jason Tatum. But Kyrie came back to life, got the Celtics going. He hit back-to-back threes to put the Celtics up two after their little cold streak after that, J- uh, after that Jason Tatum dunk. And then the two greatest moments, in my opinion, after Jalen Brown missed the layup with about, what, Jalen Brown missed a wide-open layup with what, like a buck 45, maybe a buck 50 left to go in the game? But right after that, two of the greatest moments of the 2018-2019 Boston Celtics season happened. Just thinking about it. Yeah, makes me so happy. What have I preached or have yelled at Jalen Brown at all year? Not passing the ball, right? Well, Jalen Brown only had one assist in this game. But the one assist that Jalen Brown had in this game changed my life. I now actually kind of like Jalen Brown. Just based off this one pass, I'm very easy to please, folks. Very easy to please. Jalen Brown, with about 50 seconds to go, put his head down, drove to the basket, and all I did was just go, ah, fuck. Because I knew it was going to happen, or so I thought. And then he dished it out, opposite end of the court, to Jason Tatum, who stuck a three. Jalen Brown realized... He was in a bad situation. Jalen Brown realized he had teammates. Jalen Brown realized you, it, it's a, there's five people on the court, four other people with you. He was open. He made the pass. It went in. It was beautiful. And to be honest with you folks, if Jason Tatum missed that shot, that pass right there by Jalen Brown still would have made me smile from ear to ear. Because I'm telling you, he's now going to do it a lot more. Um, that's his boy. That, that's one of his young guns. He doesn't like the vets. That's one of his young guns. If if he's only passing to Jason Tatum, that's fine. Or Horford because he likes him because they've been, you know, Brown's been playing with Horford his entire year. You don't want to pass to Baines. You don't want to pass to Kyrie. You don't want to pass to Hayward. Fine. But at least we're making progress here, Jalen Brown. So thank you for that incredible pass because that pass leading to that basket is the reason why the Celtics won that game. And you, and you can't tell me differently. But right after that, next time down the floor, the Celtics have the ball. Another ex- very happy moment for me. Folks, last week I talked about uh, Jason Tatum. I, I keep saying Jalen when I'm supposed to be saying Jason and Jason when I'm supposed to be saying Jalen and blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> Jason Tatum had a defender in his face after a dribble, dribble, dribble. And I thought he was going to do a step back three. And I thought I was going to step back off the balcony, jump down, and go tackle him for a stupid play. But nope, guess what he did? He put his head down, drove to the basket, and then next thing you know, you see Gordon Hayward running on the baseline. And I was like, Gordon's open! Gordon's open! You could literally see it happening. You could, like, from my view, because I can see everything on the court. I bet you Brad could see it. But, like, maybe someone behind the basket. And by the way... Let me just sidetrack real quick. I don't understand why people like sitting behind the basket. Like, eight rows up behind the basket, I don't understand how that's a good view. I don't. It's like corner or 
length of the court, but like behind the bat, no, the behind the basket sucks. What a terrible view. But anyways, Gordon Hayward cut back door and Jason Tatum found him and passed him the ball. Gordon had a wide open layup, a backdoor cut. What a beautiful thing. And Jason Tatum found him. Improvement, the 21-year-old doing 28, 29-year-old NBA type things. Oh, God, it was so glorious. The young guys looking out for each other. Then the young guy finding the guy who everyone's hated all year for a layup to put him up and to lead him to victory. Game two win. Mm-mm-mm. So, because of that, let's go in to our stud and dud of the game. Playoff edition. And now, it is time for your Celtic stud and dud. Playoff edition. Okay, the stud and dud of the game. The stud, folks. Jason Tatum. What a game by the 21-year-old. He literally looked like he was playing in the NBA for 13 or 14 years. He has already played over in tw- over 20 playoff games, right? Seven, seven. Yeah, he's played 21 playoff games as a 21-year-old. Yeah, look at that. Math. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. 11 of 20 from the field. 3 of 6 from 3. 26 points, 4 boards, 2 assists, and a plus 8. He was a plus eight, and guess what? Celtics won by eight. Jason Tatum being aggressive. Jason Tatum attacking the basket. Jason Tatum hitting his jumpers. Make the Celtics a serious mother-flipping problem. Jason Tatum is vital to this team's success. Sure, Gordon Hayward can score your 15 points. Horford can have his double-double. Kyrie can drop his 37 points. And sure, you could probably say Kyrie should be the stud of the game. But Kyrie is going to do that night in, night out for the Celtics in the playoffs. Jason Tatum hasn't done what he did last night in a bit. Not even for the playoffs, but even for the regular season this year. Jason Tatum hasn't been that aggressive and hasn't played like an NBA All-Star like he did last night for a long time. Jason Tatum playing that aggressive, is vital, vital for the Celtics' success going into the playoffs, especially if they make it in to round two against the Bucs because I'm pretty sure the Bucs won last night by a billion points again. And the dud of the game, did I not call it or not? I predicted that he was going to go one of nine from the field, so technically he missed eight shots. Marcus Morris went 0 of eight from the field. He missed eight shots. Didn't hit one of them. Some of the shots that he took, you're like, Marcus, bud, you're off. Come on. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, pass it. But stand by your man. He was confident with it. He don't, he played in all four quarters, and he took four of his shots in the third quarter when the Celtics only scored 16 points. So if you think if Mook hits at least two of those, guess what? You're, you're good, right? You're now over 20. You're not down 11. You, you're fine. So he is the dud of the game. All right, and finally, let's preview game three. Friday night, 8.30, in Indiana. I really like Indiana's uh, arena, the the field house, whatever you is, whatever you want to call it. I, I like how it kind of like, it's kind of like Mohegan Sun where it's like really small and it kind of like everyone's like over the top of each other. I kind of like that. But anyways, the that, the that, that, the that, that. One of the most important things I thought that I don't think a lot of people are going to be talking about because people are going to be talking about Tatum and Kyrie, et cetera, et cetera, which, which is fair, is the fact that the Celtics held Miles Turner and Sabonis to a total of nine points. Like, if you take away Bogdanovich, the two best players for the Pacers, in my opinion, 
are Sabonis and Turner. And the Celtics have been doing a fantastic job on both of them. Miles Turner didn't take one shot inside the paint the entire game. The Celtics actually won points in the paint 48-36. to I wasn't expecting that to happen in this series. I thought the Celtics would need their shooting, or subpar shooting this season, to get them past the Pacers, and I was wrong. But Miles Turner, like if I'm a Pacers fan, dude, you're the center. You, sh- you should be taking at least one shot in the paint, at least. And these two guys don't want to be physical at all. You you, you could see it. Like, Hayward on the block against Sabonis. Sabonis is like, eh, I don't want to know. Stop. And same thing with Horford or Baines or whoever is defending them. I mean, if you're Sabonis, you're a better player than Daniel Tice. You shouldn't be afraid to be physical with Daniel Tice, and I feel like Sabonis is. And I know I said that last last week. But be physical with these guys. They They want nothing of it. They want absolutely nothing of it. I was very impressed with Thaddeus Young in this game. You know, Thaddeus Young has been on so many teams, and he's just like a a decent NBA player. Not like a solid, but just a decent NBA player. And he was very aggressive in this game. I think he had like 16, 17 points in this game, and he took like 13 or 14 shots. Like, I've never seen that from him. But that's going to be interesting because if Horford's still a little sick and you need Tice out there, and... I would rather, like, to be honest with you, I'd rather have Mook on Sabonis and then Tice on Thaddeus Young, but because I don't think Mook can keep up with Thaddeus Young. I think Daniel Tice is a little quicker, not a lot quicker, but a little bit quicker than Mook because, you know, Mook's got the bad knees. One thing that the Celtics really need to focus on, and I hope they do this in practice, these, these next two things. Darren Collinson, off the screen, mid-range jumpers. He did it, I think he was 6 of 10 from the field in game two. He should, so yeah, like 60% from the field. He's had like 12 or 14 points. Just come around a screen, and he dribbles, hesitates, shoots a jumper. Someone needs to step out and put a hand in his face because he won't shoot it. He's one of those guys that will only shoot it unless he's wide open. So someone needs to come from the weak side, put his hand up, something to distract him a little bit because then it won't go in. And then this happened a lot in the third quarter. That, that I noticed, and a little bit in the second too, but Corey Joseph, Collinson, and Matthews were going over screens. So if you, we know that they're going to go over screens, someone needs to make a V-cut, fake that they're going over the screen as well, and then go back door, especially if Horford has the ball. Like, seriously, if Horford has a ball, Horford would, will find you. Horford's one of the best passing big men in the NBA. I mean, I'm not saying top five. I'm just saying he's one of the best. So in, I understand Brad loves the the handoff, come off a curl, hand it off, the guy drives, it's kind of like a pick and roll too, but fake the handoff, go back door, Horford will find you. It was wide open so many times, especially when Collinson or Matthews or even Corey Joseph was guarding anyone who was coming to get the ball from Al Horford. So I hope the Celtics do that as well. And two more things here. Win the rebound battle again. The Celtics won the rebound battle by 12 again. Huge, forty-eight to thirty-six, I think, or was that points in the paint? How what was it? Fifty, uh, da, 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 fifty-four to forty-two. That's how they won. Love it. Seven offensive rebounds for the Celtics, four for the Pacers. Awesome. Keep winning the rebound battle, and this this series will be over quicker than we think. And then finally, the assists went up, turnovers went down, but we need the turnovers to go down just a little bit more. The Cel- the Celtics only had three steals in this game. The Pacers had 11, and the Pacers had 23 points off of those 11 steals. It's, folks, 11 times 2 is tw- 11 times two is what? It's 22. So every single time they steal the ball, they're basically getting a basket. So that needs to change ASAP. Win the boards, 
be physical, take control of the ball, make some V-cuts, and put a hand up in Collinson's face, and I think the Celtics can pull off Game 3. If if they lose Game 3, I won't, you know, I'm not going to be surprised. The Pacers are very good at home. We talked about that in Episode 36 on how good they are at home. Celtics aren't that great on the road, but if the Celtics want to do something that will really jack up this fan base, go win Game 3. And if you lose Game 4, so be it, then you can win Game 5 at the Garden. But go win Game 3. I think this is a very, very important game for the Boston Celtics. So that's it, folks. Thanks for listening to Episode 37, whether that's on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Podbean, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it. Thanks so much. Follow me all week, all playoffs, on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.